Hello, I'm Niall Brown and welcome to this episode of the Movies in Focus podcast. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by independent film producer Gemma Bradley. I've known Gemma for well over 20 years. She's the younger sister of my best friend Robert, who was sadly killed by a drunk driver in the year 2000. I've kept in touch with Gemma and I've been thrilled this year to become a wonderful film producer who's made the urban thriller Brothers Day and the science fiction film Black Box. Gemma and I chatted about many things, including the trials and tribulations of producing low-budget independent films and using crowdfunding as a way of raising finance. It was an absolute joy to catch up with this talented filmmaker, and I hope you really enjoy what we had to talk about. Hey Gemma, how's it going? Uh, very well, thank you. Well, thank you for joining the Movies and Focus podcast. No problem. Happy to be here. Well, we... I've known each other for years, many, many years, probably more than you'd probably like to, to even know. But uh, how, how, just for anyone listening, how do we know each other? Um, well, we go back uh, a long way. I think I've, I don't remember not knowing you, to be honest. Um, so obviously we were uh, very good friends with uh, my late brother, Robert. Um, so you've kind of been part of the furniture and part of the family from your uh days at the college in Derry yep sort of the 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 mid to late 90s that's how long we've we've known each other so uh and funnily enough my friendship with Robert I don't know if I've ever told you this but it started over film we uh we knew these guys two sets of friends that were in a band together and they'd sort of on break times talk about um their next Oasis cover that they were going to record on a Saturday morning, whatever it was. Me and Robert were kind of sitting there and uh, I said to him, do you know what? I'm writing a film. And uh, he was like, oh, I, I like films. I said, well, do you want to help me write it? We, we wrote a script that we, we put into a BBC contest that was terrible. <laughs> and we didn't get anywhere with it, but that's how our friendship blossomed. Blossomed, so it was, it was about writing a film. But did you um, actually do it? We actually, uh, do you know what? I, I it's it's a shame that we did because I, I came across it a few years ago, and the format is terrible. It, it doesn't even look like a film script. I'm amazed they even responded with a letter. <laughs> but we thought it was the greatest thing we'd ever written. Um, so that's how we, we became friends. Kind of decided to do that. And uh, yeah, and then we just go into the movies, watching movies. He'd come over to my house, and yeah. uh, we'd sort of I'd go, I'd have got a double bill lined up for him, and I'd show him these random films that you know no one would ever sit and put together as a double bill. And he'd sort of stay in my house at like twelve o'clock at night and then walk on home. So it was a uh... yeah, I remember that. He's just like always devouring films. Yeah. So, if, if you ever actually read the, 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 the notebook reviews that I do on the site, they're from 20 years ago when I was watching these movies with Robert. So, yeah. some of those I've, I've watched with him, and those are what I then scribbled down when, when yeah. he went home. So, uh, and that's strangely after that, you then become a film producer. So, how did that happen? Well, I can trace it I think I remember not specifically producer but I remember the, the exact moment when I I knew that I wanted to study and work in film I was a um 
a getting ready to pick a finishing GCSEs, getting ready to pick A levels. And it felt like everyone around me knew exactly what they wanted to do, or at least what they were going to study next. And I had no idea. We get to a day or two before the deadline, still didn't know. And I was in an art class and the teacher came in and said, before we start the class today, I've got a brief to read you about a new subject. And the new subject was, it was a pilot scheme for, um, I think it was CEA, the exam board. And they were introducing the first ever practical filmmaking course into uh, AS and A-level. And they wanted the school, Thornhill College, were going to be part of, we were kind of have a guinea pig class to see if it, that kind of topic could work as an as an A-level. Nice. AS level. So we were signed up for the first year of the AS level. Um, and as soon as he got to the end of this page, he was reading out. Um, it was a bit, just a bit of a pitch for the topic. It just, everything just clicked. And I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do because of the dis description of like what the, the curriculum was going to be. Right. Uh, and I went in to do that and just absolutely found my feet there learned how to edit learned about script writing uh learned about sound just all just very very like a bit of the, all of the basics just a little little bit of everything and we worked in groups on each other's projects and and as well as as individual projects and that was it I was hooked cool so then you go from that you've you've, you've done that at school how do you become an independent film producer and your, your first film, your first feature, Brothers Day? How does that come about and how, how, what's, what's the stage that got you to there? Well, in between the two, I kept studying. I had a stint in the Nerve Centre in Derry doing a video, one of their video making, um, City and Guilds courses. Then I went on to Manchester to study a film uh, degree it, it was unfortunately a lot more kind of theory based which I really enjoyed but it made me realize that I missed I didn't just want to study film I, I wanted to be hands-on uh, from there I was lucky enough to do um, a, get lucky with a few kind of freelance jobs um, and got a taste for that got it worked on a few other people's short films and then I was um, working with a charity um, that unfortunately is no longer a thing, but it's called CSV. And I was, it was like working with kind of disengaged youths, trying to get them motivated uh, by working in media projects. Uh, that was a temporary contract that came to an end. I went off to do something else, but the people who kind of took over in that in that charity after me um the nature of the job role changed and this there was a film to be made so uh i found myself looking for a new job about six months after leave and i'd finished another project and i was just looking on the usual uh film related job sites and i read the, a brief um and i got to the end of it and i realized it was based in where I had, I had used to work. Nice. Uh, it, well, it was a voluntary role. And I just called them up and said, take the ad down, I'm doing it. <laughs> and they said, oh, it's, it's, not actually, it's not actually us. It's this, you have to talk to this uh, other guy. 
and that other guy uh, turned out to be Angel. Um, so I started working uh, as a production assistant, um, but they were very kind of understaffed and there was only a few people who were really kind of there at the core, like pushing to get this film made. Um, and I just kind of fell into place with them. And uh, long story short, but the, the charity uh, was kind of going under and they owned all of the rights. Everything was kind of tied in with that. Yeah. So it, it got to the stage that a, a lot, all the work was gonna be lost. It was kind of, kind of gonna die with the charity being dissolved. So um, we decided that we, we were working well together. We were nearly, kind of finished the project and we decided to set up a company to save the project. Um, and that's kind of how I, just, it, I never, I never like got the job as a producer or decided I'm going to be a producer, but I mostly worked in production management before that. And it just kind of evolved um, through the need for everyone. Cause it was such, that more than the current project was such a huge collaboration. Um, and it just felt like a, a real shame that it was potentially never gonna get finished or, or make it to any kind of a screen. Um, so that was a big driving factor um, when I just couldn't let, couldn't let it go. And the angel that you talk about is Angel Delgado, who was the director of the film and who is now uh, my husband. <laughs> <Your> husband. <laughs> so not not only did you end up becoming a producer through the movie, but you also met your your husband. Yes, I did indeed. Yeah. So yeah, a, a funny and great turn of events. Yes, and then one of the things that happened, you, you made the movie, and you sent it to me to review, mm -hmm. and I remember being very very proud of you when I found out that you'd made this movie, you'd produced this movie. And then I was like, shit, what if it's bad? <laughs> because the, the amount of emails I get, at least a couple of emails a week where, where people make movies and you watch the trailer or you watch the film and you kind of just think, you really don't want me to review this <laughs> because it's not very good. And I was blown away by your movie because it was a low, very low budget film. Mm -hmm. And I thought it had heart, it had energy, and it, it was just so well done. And I was, I, was, I was proud when you told me you'd made it. And I was glad and even more proud once I found out that it was really good. So <laughs> that's how I felt about that. That's a fair, this is a fair point to make. <laughs> you know, but, but that's the thing. But, you know, you and Angel, you, you've crafted these two very, very low budget films, which the final product kind of overcomes the obstacles of you being this low budget independent filmmaker. That must be, I mean, especially for the latest project, Black Box, must be incredibly difficult because not only are you a low budget filmmaker who decides to use Kickstarter to fund your film, you set the bloody thing in space. <laughs> <laughs> how, how does that come about? And how do you, how do you know you, you can make that movie? 
Well, originally, when we were setting up the company, um, when we got to know each other on, on the previous project, it became very clear that we were both uh, sci-fi nerds and that's what we ultimately wanted to work in. I had worked in uh, someone else's sci-fi project and was just completely enamored with it. And it's always my favorite kind of film to watch and similar for himself. So um, the goal was, and the name of the company is New Fine Planet Films. So we kind of thought that that sounds like it's a sci-fi company. Um, so we actually, before Black Box came around, we were putting together an even more ambitious, crazier project on a, on a bigger scale. And we were working on funding for that. We had some um, American, well, we still do have some American actors attached to that, um, but it was just crazy, crazy. So um, we were working um, towards that, but it was just becoming more and more apparent that it was going to take a long time to, to get to set foot on, on any kind of a set for that. Uh, and it was the more time passed that we weren't actually shooting something and it was all just very much for inside of producing. Um, we were just getting restless. Um, so we thought we'll do a one location, simple film that we can, you know, kind of get working on quickly. Cause you know, it'll be simple. There's just one location. There'll be one, one main person. Another type of film that we both really enjoy is the likes of Buried or Phone Box or anything that is just like a really intense drama, like in a small location. Um, so we thought that would be easy, easier than what we were planning on doing anyway, and it would get us on set quicker and you know keep us active and in in practice rather than sitting in an office for three or four years. So that's this is our version of simple. <laughs> Something small. Something small. It's one location, but it's space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's yeah. We thought. Yeah, not, we, we didn't think it would be easy, but we thought it would be uh, easier than what we were wanting to do at that time. It would be easier to get making it fast. Um, and yeah, we just went for the challenge of the, the zero gravity. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how do you do zero gravity on a modest budget, a very modest budget? Well, we knew, well, we didn't know outright, but we did a lot of research and it became apparent that wire work wasn't going to be doable. Not not if we wanted to, you know, build a decent set and, and, and have it kind of other parts of it, like good enough quality. So we, um, we did it very traditionally. We did as much of it, obviously there's going to be, you know, special effects and visual effects in a space film, but we tried to do as much of it in camera as possible, uh, which essentially meant a lot of uh, willing, mostly volunteers in green morph suits, uh, a lot of things on green sticks. Um, and initially we, we started building um, puppet, like a, almost like a puppet rig, 
to try and look at um, for props um, and anything non-human that needed to be in zero gravity. And through that process, we discovered that this was like the simpler, the better almost. So we, we thought we needed these complex rigs. And when we tried them and tested them, we kept having to kind of strip it back, strip it back. And it really was, and there's a lot of, we. I mean, I devour any kind of making of or behind the scenes. So yeah. if you get into, you know, like the likes of the making of 2001 or um, you see how, how they did it. And it really is just a case of uh, a steady hand and, and slow movement. And so just, we spent a long time practicing and, and thinking on, on how to do it. And a lot of, a lot of test footage, a lot of Sundays in the living room, trying to make the you know Philadelphia tub float across <laughs> um and then again uh people we we to make the actor move in zero gravity we actually like custom built uh, a platform that could uh be at different heights it was originally designed to go inside the escape pod set but we mostly ended up using it in a green screen studio The effects are are flawless in the film. I mean, I was so impressed at how they work. Like I said, considering the budget, it it's stunning. And I'm not, and I, you know, I'm not just saying that. I was hugely impressed by how well it looked. Thank you. So the hard work paid off. Yeah. (laughs) You you said there, there's a lot of testing. What was the pre-production of the film? How long did that last? And how long did the shoot last? Um, so we, in terms of pre-production, uh, we did it like about a month's prep for the crowdfunding, then that ran for a month, which was incredibly intense, but also incredibly surprising and heartwarming. And, um, we had quite a, didn't really expect to get as much sort of international appeal. That we did so that was really like encouraging um then we took a while to get into the location that we wanted but it was definitely worth the wait in the end so that was kind of maybe another that all maybe happened within four months kind of from crowdfunding uh getting the location then we spent six months building the sets um and then we went back into the office again for another six months for the casting process and crewing up and just generally a bit more in-depth planning for how, because of the challenges of the zero gravity. And once we had the set physically there, it was a lot easier to do that planning. Um, so, it just kind of happened in in these blocks of months and then um we filmed mostly night shoots and we did a block in in blocks of uh like seven to ten days and we would have a bit of a rest in between and the wait how we actually broke those blocks down where we we because we had the set um and quite a, a decent amount of space around it we were able to how we designed it was that you could 
it was all modular so you could take panels off to get camera in because it's obviously mm. a very claustrophobic space so we the first big filming block we shot all of the dialogue um which basically meant we took out anything effects heavy but we shot it um in sequence uh with six cameras um we had half the set open so we kind of did like a master take of it all from these six um from these six angles and we just did it from like page one right through minus any effects heavy um and then we closed up that side of the set opened up the other half and moved all the cameras around and did it again so we did the majority of the film from start to finish um twice through and then so that was a, a big big block then we had a bit of a rest and then we came back and we kind of broke down other sections like other the effects and we did uh more on the set and then we built a green screen studio we were lucky in the, the warehouse that we were in there was space on the top floor space um and we set up a green screen studio there and then we we did everything that so everything was kind of very broken down into like blocks within blocks that sounds like an, a for a movie that's set in one location an incredibly complex way of actually filming but in a strange way it's almost theatrical in that you probably got these these takes that were longer takes and live which must yeah. have been quite good it was it was very theatrical you're right and that and that was something that we were aware of before the casting process and that's something that we uh obviously one person on screen for that much time they needed to be able to carry in the way that somebody on stage would you know doing it every night and i think um sort of taking that into account for casting but also in in how we were able to shoot as well one major um plus point to having the set that we did and versus how theatrical it, it was in that sense is all of this the lighting was built into the set so we didn't spend any time lighting well i mean obviously in the green screen studio that was a bit different but for the majority of the shoot we did have um it was all there in camera so that was a major like time saver especially for the resources that we had and um that was one of the one of the best decisions we made really was to do that with the lighting and then once you you shot it you guys did the effects yourselves uh i can't take any credit for that personally but yeah um the angel has a background uh in in effects um and i think that's the main that we that's why we were able to take on a project like this i certainly couldn't have just decided to do it otherwise uh but he knew if it came down to it that he could do it himself if if not someone else so um that was like established before we got into it and then you raise the money you shoot the movie you do your post You're gearing up for release, and suddenly COVID nineteen hits. What's that like? <laughs> well, we had signed everything off, our kind of mid to end February, and we started thinking about how how we're going to premiere this, 
uh, I actually work uh, part-time for a cinema um, and was determined I was going to have a big premiere in one of their biggest screens, uh, which they were game on for. And we're going to do a very nice deal. And they were, so we were basically spent the end of February and the beginning of March putting together DCPs and making it ready for the big screen and uh, testing it. So we actually, just the two of us, have sat down in a really big cinema screen and watched it from start to finish as a sort of print test Mm -hmm. uh, the day before the first lockdown. Um, We had a date in the calendar for May um, and obviously that wasn't going to be able to happen. So we kind of kept thinking it would be postponed, postponed until, um, but also we had to push ahead with the distribution. Um, And it got to the stage that we realized it wasn't going to be possible. um, And we couldn't have a like a premiere, cinematic premiere date in the calendar after for a date after the DVD and streaming release, which is what it makes sense. Um, so we did, there was a lot of people um, who'd been involved in the crowdfunding campaign um, who were essentially owed a copy of the film. So we had a, a kind of crowdfunding digital release uh, last summer. And, um, and now we've had the official release but we have unfortunately had to give up on the the idea of having a big uh, big screen premiere, which is it's sad because that's one of the things that you know you when things are kind of going wrong on set and you're exhausted. One of the things, one of the thoughts that really kept me going was that one day you'll one evening you'll be in a big screen and you'll get to see everyone's faces when they were watch it and you'll see people react in the moment that you want them to, which was a, a great experience with our previous film, being in a cinema, a packed cinema, and being able to hear a pin drop when it's a tense moment or when everybody laughs when you wanted them to laugh is is priceless, really. So it is a shame to miss out on that, but obviously, you know, it was in the grand scheme of things, it was not a priority anymore. It is, I mean, it, it's a shame, but. The amount of filmmakers I've spoken to over the, the past year who have seen things, the same thing happen, that it was going to get a festival or it was going to get you know, a big screen premiere, that they've just gone by the wayside. That I don't think, I think potentially you might even get a bigger audience because of the way things have panned out. You know, and I mean, it's a spectacular looking movie. A lot of it's, it's set in one, one location, but there are sort of space vistas and, and all that sort of, which looks great. You know, and to, to look at that on the big screen would be phenomenal. But I think, I, I think necessarily, it, not necessarily it's, it, it's a bad thing, but I think, you know, it's a shame because it is cinema. Yeah. But uh, I think, don't feel too disheartened because, you know, people, people will find it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's just, it's a shame, but it's just a different, it's yeah. just a different way of doing it. Um, and it's, you know, we've still released it. It could have been a lot worse. I think I feel a bit more shame more for the, there's a lot of young people who gained their first yes. feature and got their first IMDb page out of this project. So 
um, you know, I've already been there myself in their shoes. So I was like excited for them. Um, but, you know, what can you do? It's, 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 it's still got its release. So uh, we can't complain in that sense. And it's now available on DVD from every store that you would find DVDs? Mostly, yeah. It's definitely in HMV and you can buy a DVD on Amazon. It's streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, it's, I don't, I'm still kind of finding out definitely where it is because it's, uh, at this point, it's just come out two days ago. So it's, it's um, cropping up in more places than I had expected it to, which is also cool. Um, so, yeah, I just keep adding to the list, but definitely uh, HMV and Amazon. And there are a few other um, DVD retailers that I, to be honest, wasn't really familiar with before now. Uh, Hive.co.uk is, is one. So, so yeah, um, it seems quite widely available at this stage. And now that it's finally kind of available for mass consumption, What's next for you? Um, at the moment, I'm still concentrating on this project to an extent because uh, we have secured UK and Ireland distribution, but um, there's a few more countries that I have my eye on, hopefully um, kind of a few more uh, releases internationally. So that's still uh, taking up a bit of, of my time. But other than that, we don't, as a company, we haven't... Um, chose our, our next project yet. we're still kind of getting over all the lockdowns and, and dealing with this but um you'll be one of the first to know once they decide well thank you and please let me know because obviously like i said for i've known you forever and i'm incredibly proud of what you and angel have done with you your, your first two films and the, the fact that they're so different in so many different ways is a thrill to watch filmmakers actually go, I've done this sort of gritty, gritty crime drama in one hand, and then I'm, I'm doing this sort of space set thriller in another. And it, it, it's quite thrilling to watch, watch somebody do that with, with, with the movies that they're making. So keep doing what you're doing. I will keep watching them and I'll keep reviewing them as well. So thank you so much, Gemma, for, for joining me. No problem at all. Do you want to know the secret to why the projects are so different? Yes. Because when you're filming and you're up against the weather conditions and you're on the streets and you're dealing with sun going behind the cloud and all the the things you're up against when you're in multiple locations, when you're renting out people's houses, when you're filming in the corner of a cafe, etc. All the conversations on set between us anyway are next time we're gonna build a set and then we don't have to worry about the weather and we don't have to worry about the lighting <laughs> it's completely a case of the grass is always greener you know how many times when we were building this set or when we were having like issues with the green screen we said looked at each other and said next time we're going to film it all in a park again <laughs> so the next one's going to be a western or, or something along those lines <laughs> <laughs> But Gemma, it's, it's been amazing catching up with you. And again, I hope you, you, you join me on this podcast again at some other time. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this Movies in Focus podcast. 
If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell your friends about it. That's it for now. I'll see you next time.